What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mmm, Fem. Hey, Fem Fam. We have another guest episode today with two lovely filmmakers who were recommended to us from our friend, Danielle Beckman. Beckman! Um, you guys, she's recommended several <laughs> people to us. Beckman! <laughs> um, if you guys haven't listened to her episode from, was that last season? she was on uh, yeah last season um season 14 she's amazing they all run together <laughs> but yeah we love danielle and we love her friends that she has sent to us um so today we are speaking to dd walkie and ben myers who are the Didi is the producer and lead actress, and Ben is the director of A Lone Star Love, which is a short film that follows David, an Irish national, making his new home in Austin with the help of a social media android named Viva. When he meets Free Spirit and Texas Native, he must choose between his synthetic companion and a real-life romance. Um, it's a really cool film, and especially for us with Sync, like, it it kind of has the same theme with the, you know, advancing technology and the kind of dangers of social media in this near future world. So we were very pleased <laughs> to see how, how you know, it kind of aligns with our film. And they just did a really great job. Yeah. So we get to talk to them about that process and, yeah, how they how they got it all together and made such a great end product. Yeah, it was, it was super great to dive in. I think you guys will get some great takeaways on... And just again, the filmmaking process, that's what we love to to share. And they um, were able to share some great little takeaways on on sh- how to, you know, film something out of state if you're, you know, not from there and, and building together a team and the schedule, all those things that are super important. And for us, it's always trying to find the little the little nuances that everyone has into their process. I'm, I'm always so interested on like, how do you build this? Because it is stressful y'all. It is a lot. And we all know the prep, but it's like understanding everyone's process and what you can take away, I think is, is really fun. And, you know, they both were able to share some great gems and it was just great to hear, you know, after seeing the film, like kind of what they brought to it personally and you can really just tell so the film is out to watch now so stay tuned to the end to hear where you can go see it today um and we hope you enjoy we know you will First of all, uh, shout out to Daniel Beckman. Beckman! Um, She is our girl. Uh, We love her. And so it was so great to get an email from you, Didi, about coming on. We're instant. Like, yes, absolutely. Beckman approved. We're we're, (laughs) going to chat. But also that, you know, it's incredible that you were able to self 
fund a short film with the help, of course, of a full team, which we'll get into. It is sci-fi romance. It is... Lone Star Love. It's set in Austin. You have an Irish lead, which I'm. we're going to get into it. And we're, so we're here today with your director as well, Benjamin. And let's first start off, Didi, about how you yourself as a producer, actor, came onto this project. And sure. then we're going to ask you about how you and Benjamin got to connect and how he got brought on. So let's start with you. Yeah, no worries. Um, so Ronan and I were actually in an acting class in New York City. We studied at the HB studio and we studied together like a couple of different classes for a while. And we just ended up connecting and we were, you know, assigned scenes together. And we we started sharing like poetry and just random writing with each <laughs> other. And eventually he was like, yeah, I have like some scripts. I'm interested in like, you know, whatever eventually making something out of and we he had like six short film or not even short film they could have been plays too but like six short scripts that we got a bunch of actors and we read them just to see how it's how does it even sound like you Mm. know out loud and the one that everyone liked the most was a lone star love and at the time it was called human book and it was like kind of a play on like facebook Mm -hmm. Um, but we, people really liked it and resonated with it. So we were like, okay, if we're going to make anything happen, why don't we just make this one happen? And Ben and I actually ended up both doing a reading as actors for a new play. And we connected briefly after and like, you know, we were all exchanging information with each other. And Ben and I barely actually spoke at that time, but we were like, cool. And I got his email and I looked on his website on like the signature, you know, on his email Mm -hmm. and had a short that he had did on the website and they had some like special effects to it and everything like that. And I was like, you know, there's something about this guy that I think I need to reach out. So I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, I have this script. Um, I would love just even your opinion on it. We're like, maybe like we, you know, he was a writer and producer and director. So we're like, I don't know if he wants to get involved or even like a perspective on it would be great. Yeah. And we ended up all getting drinks together. And by the end of the first meeting, we're like, okay, are we making, you know, Ben was like, I have, these are my opinions, you know, and they were mm-hmm. all very valid. And when we talked about like production, it was, it became like, okay, well we need a car, this and that, and all these things were like, I was like, well, you know, we could do it in Austin, you know? And he was like, well, I'm actually, that's really intriguing to me to film somewhere I've never filmed before. Mm-hmm. And so it oh, kind wow. of ended up, you know, we shook hands and started making a movie. I love that because so many people, we get that advice a lot that it's like, why don't you go film somewhere outside of LA? And, you know, it's like, it, it's it's kind of a catch-22 because, you know, we have all of our resources here. A lot of, like, all right. the people we know are based here, right? But then you do get that beautiful, like, you get to film somewhere that it's, you don't have to try to fake LA for another city, you know, right? And you're going to save a lot of money and you have the chance to meet local talent and crew and everything there. So I always, I'm always intrigued when people do do that, that are from LA and then go elsewhere to film. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, go ahead, Ben. Well, I was going to say that, that, that moment of that suggestion has really changed the whole character of the film because mm-hmm. there was nothing in, in the script at that time that, had anything to do with Texas thematically or from a, just a plot standpoint. Okay. But uh, when Didi, you know, offered that suggestion, I was like, well, let's not just 
be down there. Let's build the film around that. Let's make yeah. it a feature, not a bug, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I was going to ask Benjamin, what about the story intrigued you the most and, and got you excited to want to tell this story? Well, as the script came to me, it really focused on the, the character of David, the sort of love triangle aspect uh, with the character that our multi-talented producer Dee Dee plays, Layla in the film, yeah. uh, was not yet part of the project. Um, and the thing that really struck me was the struggle that this um, younger male character was having with his relationship with social media and how it was mm -hmm. sort of stunting his emotional growth, how he was hung up on his girlfriend and kind of having this stalkerish, stalkerish incelish kind of point of view. And I thought, well, this is something that a lot of people are going to be able to um, relate to. So definitely those themes of the way technology intrudes mm -hmm. into our lives. But I also, you know, in collaborating with Didi on the script and further developing it, bringing it into Texas and ultimately bringing her in as an actress, I wanted um, I wanted the film to have broader legs than just this kind of incel point of view. And also there were some ideas initially in the script, even just at, on the face of it, um, the fundamental idea of having this feminized robot character that is having a dynamic with a male character. Um, there's there's a lot of tropes and a lot of ideas that, that is fraught with that I think are are not necessarily like helpful to where we are and the way we want to tell stories and and recognize equality not just how we treat people but in the in the stories that we communicate. Mm -hmm. right. So that's that's when I wanted to bring in this choice between this um, dynamic, this sort of incelish um, sucked into my social media world dynamic, and the dynamic that um, Didi's character brings, Layla, who is not about social media at all. It's very analog, warm character. And what mm -hmm. I loved about Dee Dee was the same reason that she wanted to make this movie um, it, it, because the she agrees with the philosophy of the film. She doesn't even have social media, which is like now, now, now to promote the film, she's forced to jump on there. But she's <laughs> true to herself in that way. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, geez, we have someone that's so authentic and buys into this so much and is from Austin. Um, so I was like, hey, Let's, let's bring you into the film. And I started writing a character for her and she wrote some of the dialogue as well to get that uh, sense of authenticity, which is really what I was going for. So that's initially what drew, drew me to the film and also drew me to um, kind of alter it slightly and bring it to a place that I thought was really respectful of all the female talent on the project, but also was saying something really relevant to the now. Yeah. And I love too that... Um saying how it's it's relevant to now but it's got like some kind of like futuristic to it because of the viva character which um for those of you listening is kind of like the ai that we were talking about um because that's how our film is it's set in the near future and i remember they mentioned 2023 but i assume made the film a year or two before right yeah um, so that was yeah, the near future at yeah. the time <laughs> exactly but yeah, the yeah. Time, time moves pretty fast and already looking in the last six months all these stories about ai like you can barely keep up these days. Exactly. So, I, I mean, that's such a good, um, uh, what's the word I want? That's such a good, like, idea to do because it makes it so relatable. Like, it's so, it's not unbelievable that this Viva exists already in this world, you know? So, it's a great way to, like, include those, um, the things that we don't have in real life yet, but we can imagine having, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That and I did for the, I didn't get to watch the full film, but the parts that I did see, that was something that 
just going back to the authenticity of Dee Dee's character, I, I did really feel how authentic it was for you. And I was curious about the writing. I was going to ask who wrote it because I just felt like everything your character said, it did feel like really natural and you played it. Yeah. So naturally and authentically. So I really, you did a really great job with the scenes. I was like, Oh, this is, yeah, it just feels so natural. So it's nice that, you know, you had the space to collaborate, I think. As an actor, I think that's always fun, you know, to to bring yourself yeah. to it. No, 100%. And I definitely helped with the dialogue. Like, I when I've gotten compliments on the performance, I'm like, was I even acting, you know? Like, <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting with acting, just thinking, you know, I think my personal burden sometimes is, oh, if I'm not like fully immersed in a character that is completely different than me, then am I an actor? Like, does it count? Am I worthy? You know, (laughs) I struggle with that. And then when I can, but you know, I think some great work comes from what you know and what you resonate with because it's absolutely part Mm -hmm. of it core versus just like your head, you know? And Mm -hmm. so this, yeah, I mean, Ben definitely, I'm, I'm very grateful that Ben helped encourage because initially I was going to just produce and I wasn't even like even thinking about acting, but I'm really glad that he, he yes, Ben, you know, (laughs) it was great. And working on so many scenes and acting school together already kind of had that rapport and everything. Like we're friends, you know, we've, Mm -hmm. we've been friends for a long time and, yeah, but I just, some of those lines that come out, I'm like, yeah, I feel it to my core, you know, like just talking about social media being just so evil and everything. I'm like, yep, yeah, still feel that. That's yeah. still for <laughs> well, me. we are all aligned here on the messaging. I mean, that is exactly what our film is talking about. It's um, centered around the ever-evolving technology that we have that we can't even keep up with and how invasive it is, especially... Yeah. Um, our character, it's it centers around toxic female friendships versus like relationships and really like goes into how intrusive that can be. And our technology is amped up with this new app to sync minds with one another. But if you just look at the social media you have today with Instagram, it's, it's easy to stalk people. It's easy to like follow along and be, um, you know, a bad friend if you, uh, you know, want to like just intrude on someone's live and, and make them feel bad all the time or whatever it could be, you know, shaming. It's just, it's already there, but I just love film as a medium to explore like in these heightened worlds that again, I think for both of our stories are it's just not that far off from what yeah. we experience today. Um, what about doing that was there what was the biggest I would say like hurdle in trying to captivate a world that isn't so far away and to today is was there anything I mean just trying to make it believable that you found challenging I'd be curious to see as we we head towards our our feature (laughs) um I think you know uh articulating the Viva character Mm -hmm was was a point there and there were several things we did uh first of all all um casting Annetta burning who plays that character so well who was part of the reading uh yeah. that dd and ronan originally put together yeah, she and kills it. You know, being brought onto the project as a director 
Um, you know, you can come in when I come into a project. Sometimes I come in in various phases. Sometimes it's very early. Sometimes, you know, a lot of the team is together. In this instance, um, you know, Didi was was quite insistent that Aneta was the right way to go. And again, as I mentioned, uh, you know, approaching some of these tropes, I was like, well, maybe we should explore a non-binary uh, performer take on this role. So we're kind of bypassing the you know, whole idea of, of gender. But when I met Aneta, and when I heard her do the read, I was like totally blown away. And um, so having the performance there to conceive of that and asking her all to do this, all these fun little tricks, like kind of speaking as someone else, it gave her an opportunity to kind of um, really show her gifts as an actor and not just trap her in this ro robotic kind of performance. So, you know, having her nail that performance and then also the VFX, the components of this screen that appears, it's something that we're, it's an idea that we're all kind of familiar with, like mm -hmm. we're kind of used to seeing this in popular cinema, um, but it's also something that like, gosh, I'm just five seconds away from having off my phone. Yeah. yeah. And then um, realizing uh, Viva's pink eyes. That was which cool. Is, I really liked that feature. It's a subtle little thing and props goes to our uh, DP and colorist, uh, Nicholas Richter, for taking on that extra challenge. Um, because it's all done in Da Vinci by changing the color. We discussed maybe doing like contact lenses, but we came to the conclusion like you would kind of lose the depth in the eye mm -hmm, if you yeah. did that. And and that helps you relate to her more. And it just kind of creates, you know, fully creates the illusion. Now it's a smaller budget project. And one of the things that we had to let go of uh, for time constraints and budget was we wanted to, you know, this is a pricey, it's like the fanciest iPhone 15 you can get, right? And and he's like a first adopter because it's a big like masculine flex. Like, look, I've got this great thing. <laughs> so we're assuming maybe not everybody has these yet, but they're definitely around. So one thing we didn't get to achieve in the film that we would have liked to is seeing other Vivas with people, you know, kind of around just to kind of help, even though we're telling a small story, just kind of help open up the world a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um but I think that, um, you know, we, we shot the film in the beginning of 2020. The film was set in 2023. Uh, now here we are. There are, there are, there are, I mean, you can basically have a Viva now if you want between uh, AI technology and the robotics technology that we have. Um, the question, of course, is should we? <laughs> <laughs> Always should the we? question. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so those are the kind of things that we tackled to try to sell that futuristic world, that near future world in that way. Um, and, and, you know, some, some other lingo and things around that might have been like just the way culture has shifted and changed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really want to get into that. Um, I was telling Carolina selfishly for our own purposes, we want to hear more about the VFX involved in that. Um, but before that, I also want to mention, like, I think um, when you were talking about you weren't sure if you should do the Viva as like a non-binary character, how that would work. Um, I think that it did really work to make it a woman and an attractive woman, because then you're, you know, you're wondering is the audience like, wait, is he going to try to get with her? Like what, you know, and it just it plays off his like kind of inability to connect on on this date and in real life. And it just adds more layers to that. So I think that that kind of was, it worked in your favor <laughs> to go in that direction. Well, I will just say to that, like, because people are more aware of that conversation mm -hmm. around these issues, I think it also um, adds an extra layer of meta jeopardy. You're sitting yeah. there nervous, like, oh, not only what's going to happen, but 
what are these filmmakers going to do? And mm -hmm. we, you know, certain things we did, we put on Ronan, you know, there's a scene, he's in the bedroom at night and he's asking, he's, you know, gonna maybe get intimate with her, his shirt's off, she is fully clothed. There's an instance later where you think like, well, he's taking all his anger out on her. Is he going to visit violence upon this character? No, he does not. Um, he, he kind of punishes himself in that way, uh, mm -hmm. metaphorically, you know? So I Ooh, think that- That's just, yeah, that's dark. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think that like by not only you create these moments of tension, but also like you make the, uh, wait, are we going to be watching this kind of male gaze point of view? And are we going to do things that are going to make me uncomfortable? And that's yeah. almost the same feeling of like, wait, is the monster going to pop out behind the door? So it kind of plays in the audience on these two different levels. Yeah, that's very true. And it's, it's almost like one of those, um, it's, it's kind of subconscious, you know, for the audience, because yeah, you're building that tension. And while the audience is questioning what's going to happen next, they're not like quite realizing where the tension is even coming from really be, beyond that. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, an interesting approach for sure. And it works. <laughs> yeah. And Dee, what was it like for you playing in this world? And, and mm -hmm. I just, I, I, we already spoke about how authentic it was for you to relate to your character, like non-social media wise, but yeah. just as a whole, like what were some challenges for you or things that you really like, just felt like propelled you more into the character? You know, it's, I think part of it, like having, I was born and raised in Austin and like the extra, like we filmed in my parents' house, you know? Oh, and so- wow. So it was like my parents' house. Um, the, there's a party scene that was like the big house that was my friend's house, and mm -hmm. she played the character in the film. She plays Ben's wife in that. So it was a lot of like familiar, like it's a world I'm like I grew up in, you know. Hey. It's like um, I know I know Texas, I know Austin specifically, and so and I think one of the core characteristics of Austin I mean it's fading unfortunately as it's getting more popular as a destination but Austin is like supposed to be like a down-to-earth place mm -hmm. you know like a, a haven for hippies in the 60s and like a giant conservative state you know it's like people just wanted to chill out and play music and get high and whatever and yeah. so like thinking about and now the way Austin has gone, I think people that grow have grown up in Austin and have seen the insane changes that have happened in the past 20, 30 years, they, a huge tech industry has boomed in Austin and it's taking away the soul and core of Austin. Mm -hmm. And to me, I've, I think that the place like, the soul of a city is reflected in the artists that are, it keeps. And when you make it possible for artists to live there, you lose the soul a bit, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's what happens in Austin. So it's happening. I know it. I know my friends that are artists that can't afford to live there anymore, you know? And it's the same thing with New York. It's the same thing with LA. It's the same thing with a lot of cities. And it's very sad, but I think in our world specifically, thinking about the, I guess, juxtaposition of this new technology while you have a character like me that's trying to maintain that soul, you know, mm -hmm. trying to maintain the down to earth, just be present, dude. Like, my yeah. God, 
technology in our lives every minute of every freaking day. You use your phone to go on Google Maps to drive to somewhere. You can't even drive anywhere normally, you know. Yeah. <laughs> go on the subway in New York anywhere without like, oh, where am I going? What subway station? Like, there's really no disconnecting from it. So for me, that aspect of the world of like, brand new technology invading while I'm trying to like counteract and it was very easy to get into and I think Austin was like the perfect backdrop for that story because it just it is what's happening to the city as we speak you know yeah that is really well put and on a level like I didn't think like connect like I'm noticing it from LA and I listen to a bunch of podcasts and everyone's talking about moving to Austin and like and yeah. the news about tech companies like yeah building their main stations there so it's just interesting to think about in a way of like how yeah it in those tech valley zones of certain cities you do feel an emptiness that is not there when you have like artists living in those quarters. It's, I never like really put the two and two together, but you're absolutely right. And like, that's an interesting like theme to definitely um, play on. And I love that, you know, Austin really worked out to your favor for the story's sake. It really, yeah, it sounds like the perfect setting and that it was so close to home for you. It is home for you that, It's like, yeah, hi, here's my city. <laughs> like, yeah. this is what we do. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was really, uh, yeah, a great, great way of putting it. I, I didn't connect the two before quite so well. So I love that. And yeah. I will say to, to Didi's performance, you know, um, yes, you're saying like, it's, it's, it'd be great if I would, you know, had a mustache and, a, and an eye patch and, and <laughs> you know, a, a hobbling along or something. But I mean, the things that really, uh, and Didi's had her work recognized. She won Best Actress Award at Studio City Film Festival in yes. Los Angeles. Let's um, go, girl. So, I, but I think the things that really make her performance, a uh, performance that really draws you in are those moments of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, Didi's, Didi's a, a, a tough cookie. You know, she is, she is a make things happen kind of gal. And there are a couple moments uh, in the film, early on in the film, when uh, he says, "Hey, I don't have any cash. Can you pay for drinks?" and she's like, "A little like, oh, this is the kind of date I'm on." <laughs> um, you know, when when the whole kerfuffle happens at the end with my character, and and you know, it realizes that she has said something to uh, David's character that he says in an inappropriate time. To her hurt when she looks over at her brother after that. Um, all those those are the moments that because those are the, these are the micro things that I think people can really relate to mm-hmm. and the vulnerability that she showed in there. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's really what I need from a, an actor, you know, far beyond from, you know, I mean, I come down there and I'm putting on a Texas accent and wearing a hat and all that stuff, <laughs> but the real, the real work and stuff is just being honest and being vulnerable and being yeah. committed to the moment. And that, I think that's what makes her performance so strong. Absolutely. And I think too, you, you, um, have that kind of juxtaposition again, like with the Viva character who is literally a robot, you know, but sometimes I feel like the audience can forget that because unless you're looking at her eyes, you know, it's like she's just a a, a woman, you know, and especially when she's like reading the posts that for his social media, when she's reading them, you know, like a human and less robotic and stuff. 
Um, so you've got like that that's like literally a robot. And then you've got Dee Dee's character who is she's got so many layers to her. And, you know, we get to see like her vulnerability and all of that. So I think kind of those like playing off of each other, even though they never really interact, um, it's just a, it's a cool juxtaposition of characters. Yeah. Well, Dee, yeah. Dee we talked about like the contrast and the contradictions mm -hmm. in your character. You were I remember you were being very interested in like. You know, she, she has this talks this big game in the beginning about you no know, social media and stuff like that, and her kind of being like too cool for school. Mm -hmm. But then we had, you know, I remember we talked about this moment in developing the script where she asks to take a picture with him on their second date. You, you know, what I'm talking about Dee Dee, right? Like that's that, that idea of contradiction, you know, and in, yeah. in her. I mean, I I contradict myself in real life all the time, where I'm like. I like I'm so not into like smartphones like I'm so pure and then I again <laughs> google mapping a, a route that I've done 30 times you yeah. know I'm like I'm just it's so it, I, I just it's so easy to do that it's so easy to be hypocritical when it's like because I feel like with smartphones and technology and social media and all that it's like it's such a necessary evil right now mm -hmm. you know like it's so like, how would anybody right now in day and age just have a flip phone? You'd have to be rich, like really rich, <laughs> be able to like have that luxury of being disconnected. Like it's a luxury. It's either you're living off the land in the middle of nowhere, or you're like, if you're in a city, you already have a driver. You don't have to Uber, you know, you right. don't have to app. Like you don't have, like, you don't have to worry about selling somebody. You always have cash on you. Like, I don't know. I don't even know what that world looks like nowadays. But yeah, I mean, I contradict myself. And I think there is that hypocrisy in her character, too. And yeah, I get annoyed with it, too. Sometimes I'm looking at when I watch that performance, I'm like, Layla, shut up. Like, you're being annoying, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it's real, you know? I mean, I feel like we all contradict ourselves at times. And we're all just like, kind of trying to keep up in this world. And have yeah. some sense of humanity still and it's it's tough <laughs> well I for me the way I look at it is that it's not like all tech is bad and that's something I like put out there when I talk about our film it's just to what point do is is it just too much that we're we're not even like we're losing the human part of it mm -hmm. and and like ourselves like entirely because there shouldn't be like anything wrong with you wanting to take a photo of a moment to like have a more lasting memory. That is a beautiful thing that we can experience. But if it's like to the point where, you know, you're taking photos of every single second and entirely not being, you know, present for your Instagram story, then it's like, that's to me like where the issue is. So it's just like, to me, it's, it's, interesting to play at what points is it like okay you know what that's like not that's that's a different that's a different issue when it comes mm -hmm. to tech than like it as a whole and how it has helped us as like a society in many ways at least that's where I the, like my gaze on it is I just oh, think yeah, it's totally. like a certain point where it's like okay this is this is too much like we, yeah we can't function to your point Dee, Dee yeah. like without it and I do think about that like we are going to that so to that world where it's like if you don't have xyz and you can't afford xyz like you're screwed which you know that's a whole nother issue yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah no and 
I agree with you in this thing that I, there's no such thing to me as like all good, all bad, you know? Right. No. It, it's so rarely black and white. And but so, it's fun to have characters who are black and white about it. That's the thing. Like, that's part of the juice in the film, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I definitely uh-huh. agree. With that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, guys, something that is keeping me present this morning, because um, we're record- recording early morning and keeping me awake is my Magic Mind elixir that oh, I just... has it out. I do have it out. I'm literally <laughs> drinking it right now. Like, this is not just, you know, a paid ad. It's it's real, guys. <laughs> um, so, listeners, I just want to let you guys know because this has been a really cool thing that I just discovered. Um, and it is essentially, like, a boost for my day because it's got matcha, which is, like, a way better caffeine than coffee. It keeps me going all day. You know, I don't get that crash. I don't get those jitters. It's got a whole bunch of great like mushroom based stuff in it as well. So it's like a stress reliever and anxiety reliever also helps with inflammation and helps support cognition. Like there's so much stuff that this magic mind does and it actually tastes really good. And it's in this tiny little bottle so I can just take it to go whatever I want. Like it's been really cool. You're not going to do a shot right now. On camera? I mean, I absolutely am going to do a shot right now. Like, should I get really close to the mic when I swallow so everybody can hear it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, we would, like, love that. Nope. <laughs> 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 but, listeners, I just want to share this with you, too, because we have a little special code for you to get a discount if you want to try it yourself. The Magic Mind team created this offer for us to share with you. You can get up to 50% off, I'm sorry, up to 56% off, even better, your first subscription in the next 10 days and 20% off with the one-time purchase of, or I'm sorry, with the one-time code purchase, FEMREGARD, so F-E-M-M-E-R-E-G-A-R-D, and you can get that at magicmind.co slash FEMREGARD. So when you redeem this code, FEMREGARD, hurry up because the 56% discount only lasts 10 days after this episode airs. Hi, friends. I'm David Berman, and for 16 years, I performed over 300 fake autopsies on CSI, Crime Scene Investigation. And I'm John Wellner, and I, too, was on CSI for 12 years, playing the toxicologist Henry Andrews. John and I are so excited to introduce CS I Love You, a podcast dedicated to all things CSI, both the show, but more importantly, we'll talk to the heroic criminalists behind America's favorite crime drama. So pull up a chair and join us as we talk about murder, mayhem, and mystery. It's CS, I love you. So how long were you guys in production for, for this short film um, as a whole? Oh, we we shot five days. Amazing. Uh, uh, Five days of production. We had a sixth day that was kind of a contingency day it was also kind of built in as a free day for people to enjoy austin uh we we did take advantage of that uh morning um uh, we had a little bit of issue with our our lead actress uh took ill the last evening of our shooting Mm -hmm. and uh we actually got really creative because uh our fabulous ac uh, I looked over at her and I was like, you know, your hair is kind of the same color and da 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 da. Lo and behold, there are there are I think one or two shots in the script where we kind of are behind the head shot where our AC is stepping in for Aneta. So five basically five full days with a little bit of a like a half a scene in the morning time. 
Nice. Amazing. I think that's really smart to have a contingency day. I'm currently breaking down the script, trying to figure out a loose schedule. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, you know, again, what we can afford with our budget, but also like, you know, you're pouring all your efforts in. It would be a shame if like you didn't have some, a backup plan or strategy to, to like make everything work. So I think that was really, that's a really great tip I would say to our, our filmmakers who are building um, anything else scheduling wise that both of you would recommend Ooh. doing I, producer we're putting on our producer hats now <laughs> <laughs> um, no I mean they were long days we all we had a lot of locations like they were oh it, yeah you it, did <laughs> it's really about finding like the team that's you know willing to just go with it you know I yeah so lucky with the team that we had and luckily we were like sleeping at my house like all of us you know like mm -hmm. people sharing beds like the AC was sharing a bed with my sister like mm -hmm. Annette and I it was it was a very much you know one of those productions but we I think we went over like almost every day like by an hour that we anticipated or maybe mm -hmm. even two hours and our crew was just like the best and they were just so adaptable you know, and That's they're like, really special. Mm -hmm. so can we please, you know, like just a little bit longer and they were just so adaptable and so great. So I think that's partial part of it. Um, but as far as like scheduling like that, I think Ben has it right with definitely, I just, I guess it depends on how long your script is, you know, mm -hmm. and how many locations you have and everything. Like we, you know, we had five days and that was good. You know, we could have done it in five days if Annetta hadn't become ill, honestly, but worked out. Yeah. You know, those, um, those company moves, they mm -hmm. really eat time into the day. You know, I yeah. think we had, I think there was maybe just one day where we didn't have a company move Yeah, and yeah. you know, it, not, you don't want to underestimate uh, what that means for your cast and crew and how much time it kind of needs, not just the actual travel time, but how much time it needs to travel on, on either end. So, but, yeah. but you know, that's, that's a trade-off, right? It's a right. challenge that you handle in production, but for us, it really showed up on screen. It made our 25 minute uh, short feel really beefy and luxurious in that way. And we got to show all over Austin and Austin being a character was kind of a feature of, of the project. So mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. I mean, we could have spent, we could have pared down locations, kill the company moves. For Maybe sure. you're going to have more time to get the shot, but you know, it's, it's definitely a balance in that way. And I will say another challenge because the project was remote. This is myself and DD and Ronan and our first AD, um, Mohammed, our DP, Nicholas and Aneta. I think that was the whole team. We're traveling from New York to Austin and mm -hmm. um, the rest of the crew DD hired locally. Uh, so we had some flexibility there, but we didn't want to bring people back to Texas. That becomes, it's not just like, oh, let me go back down to Bushwick and see if I can get this apartment again. Right. You know, right. let me go to, you know, let me go to North Hollywood and see if I can just pop by that street corner again. Right. Uh, it means like getting everybody over there. So we really, I, I really want to make sure we got everything in. So building in that contingency day, both for sanity so that people could take a second and feel the accomplishment of all the hard work they put in but also having just a little bit of opportunity if something went wrong or we didn't, we need to push something that contingency day. Now that's, that's a luxury that you may not be able to build into your process. Part of it for us is 
we had a core team of people that was dedicated and they were going to be there until their flight left. So they were kind of a, we were, we were kind of captive in that way, but um, you can't, can't always afford a contingency day, but the scariest thing is thinking you're not, you know, planning on trying to get everything and then going, realizing you're not going to be able to get everything and then having to, to figure out a reshoot that you didn't plan on that. That's always tough for budget and for time. And then maybe you lose an actor. Maybe you lose location in those times that change. Yeah, so. absolutely. No, thanks for breaking that down. And that is definitely, yeah, something I'm, I'm fearful about shooting out of, out of state or something, because it's like, if you don't get it all, that is definitely like a risk that you run, but it sounded, I love what Didi said about having a team that is flexible and, and willing to just go there and support. Um, and I think that is probably the most important thing for us and why we've started hiring our, our key team members, like way before we were even like fully funded, we're like, we are finding the right people who care about the project that, you know, understand our vibe and what we care about and are going to be like the people that, yeah, you literally wake up next to in the morning <laughs> and are ready to, uh, um, you know, go to war or so to speak, but yeah. like, you know, <laughs> that, but that's what makes it those days, like, the challenges, like you could figure it out. Like, and mm -hmm. that's the, I'm of the mindset, like, you know, plan for everything and everything could fall apart and you're going to just figure it out and it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, that's just how it goes. That's how it yeah. goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we also, we also had like uh, every night, uh, myself and Didi, uh, Nick, the DP and Muhammad, we had a big scheduling powwow where we just mm -hmm. reviewed everything for the next day, make sure there were no uh, issues that we were not aware of, make sure everybody was on the same page, where we could take time, where we we're going to be in crunch time, um, where we could find ways to get ahead and just be be mindful of that. I mean, you obviously want everybody to do their best work. You don't want to rush the lighting. You don't want to rush the actors. But if you look at it and say, hey, you know what? In the morning, if we can get ahead in the office. It's really going to help us out in the afternoon. So let's find ways to do that. So just yeah. having that check-in with a core team about what are we definitely doing the next day and not letting it be, yeah, it just, it, it, it puts a little bit time and it's not something I would, I wouldn't necessarily schedule that because I mean, turnaround times are super important in a production, making sure everybody's rested, especially if you go day after day, you're not just shooting a one or two day yeah. project, you're shooting a feature over multiple weeks, right. um, you know, respecting people's time and keeping it for safety reasons. But for the core team who was invested and they're, ride or die, uh, having that little 45 minute hour long powwow to just everybody's on the same page about what needs to get done the next day and where our challenges are. That was super helpful. Mm -hmm. That's another, yeah, that's a really great other takeaway, Ben. Thank you for sharing that. And definitely something we'll, we'll lock in. Um, <laughs> because yeah, you, it's the worst feeling when you show up and you're like, okay, and what, <laughs> like what's happening? <laughs> you, you just want to always be like, everyone's on the same page. Um, so that's, yeah. And you said for safety reasons too, that totally makes sense. Um, let's talk about when you guys finally wrapped and you're, you got the editing done. Um, I'm curious for the VFX that you guys use, just going back to that, was that um, pretty, was it something you had to consult before you were shooting to make sure, you know, your framing, the motion of the, the shots were like in order or you, were you able to find a VFX person after that, like, like was able to adapt what you had already shot and make it come to life? Just curious. 
that's all been. <laughs> well, we, we definitely took it Texas style. It was like riding a bucking Bronco. Um, <laughs> we did not do what you're supposed to do, which is bring a VFX or a special effects coordinator on in advance, yeah. have a conversation with your DP. Um, we did not do that. Um, uh, I knew some things and I had some conversations with the DP about how we might be approaching some of this stuff. Uh, one of those things uh, is a simple. So basically the main special effects feature in the, this, in the project is that Viva closes her eyes. She makes eye contact with her subject. She opens her eyes and as she opens her eyes, a sort of projected uh, two-dimensional but 3D hologram screen appears between the two of them. And it's a way to kind of create intimacy. The very first day we shot that kind of scene, I was very safe about it. I had the cameras locked down. A static shot was a lot easier to add uh, special mm -hmm. effects into. And I was like, okay, we'll just do this. We'll, we'll do it like that. We'll keep it safe. And to augment what we knew would be there, um, and we already had this sort of theme going with her pinkish purple eyes, so we mm -hmm. kind of knew what, what kind of color this display would be. Um, we had our gaffer rig up a light that's over top just in between the two subjects. And uh, we just Hollywooded uh, with a flag where the light was being covered. And then the, that was taken away right in synchronous movement with uh, Annetta closing and opening her eyes so that as her mm -hmm. eyes open, it's like the light is turning on. Right. And now you have mm -hmm. in-camera effect of a, a light that is actually illuminating your actors. So you get all now, I mean, like Marvel, uh, they can do, they can just, they can put lights anywhere and it's, it's totally not an issue. But for us, it was going to be a lot more work to that. So at least we knew we had that in there. Smart. But then give a mouse a cookie, you know, <laughs> as I, as I go along in the shoot, I'm, I'm, be, I'm getting more brazen. Like, okay, well, why don't we do this, but handheld, can we, we can do this handheld, right? It'll be fine. Um, you know, ultimately um, we brought on the gentleman that I've been meaning to work with for many number of years after uh, working on a uh, TV production, uh, home renovation show. His name is Eric Rodiger, and he took on the initial design. Uh, unfortunately, he had to step away from the project for health reasons, uh, uh, but we were very, very, very grateful for his work. Uh, Nick Richter, again, stepped in and completed that work. But I would say that like the, the main challenge was knowing what you, at least knowing what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know, but you, you kind of know that space of the kind of challenges that, that you're going to be in for. And then for, for me and, and for Didi as well, and, and Ronan, as we reviewed things, making sure things pass the sniff test. Uh, is this going to look real? Does this, is this looking hokey? Do we need to back this off? Do we need to become less ambitious as we work this stuff? Are, are all the angles lining up? Is there a reality to this? And if, if it wasn't doing that, even if it was something more fantastic that we wanted, we pared it down so that the was complete and selling there. But, you know, uh, I think I think that what you ought to do is as early on, if it's a VFX heavy project um, and you're going to be capturing stuff that is meant for post-production, it's going to be working on as early as possible, as early as you bring on your director of photography. Yeah. Uh, bring on, uh, you know, maybe if it is just the single person that's doing your uh, effects and post, if there's somebody that's kind of working with a team um, because there's all kinds of questions to answer, not just how it's going to integrate with production on the day, but also, you know, this was a new prospect for me. I did the, the post-production management, but like, how does this integrate with color? Where does our workflow go? Um, 
you know, how does this gonna, we're good on sound design, but there's some final element here that's not gonna come in, that's gonna, right. so communicating with all the department heads in post and making sure that uh, every aspect of what the VFX was didn't get lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was my, my central focus um, when it came to that stuff and in post-production. Um, are you willing to share also with our listeners kind of about what your like VFX budget ended up being in the end? Because if they haven't watched the film yet, you know, it's not super VFX heavy, but it's, it is in several scenes. So it's, you know, it is involved. So I'm just kind of curious to see what that runs to give people an idea of that. That's a, in this instance, I think it's a difficult question because we had so much sweat equity mm-hmm. that was involved. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, you know, Didi, I want you to speak on this, but, uh, you know, I, I, I approached Didi at the beginning. I said, how is this being financed? What do you want to do? I, I, having through some experience before, I presented her some options. Here's different paths we yeah. can take. What do you, as, you know, the executive producer on this, someone that the film wouldn't happen without, how do you want to go about doing it? And she brought her Texas philosophy to it. And she was like, well, we're, we're going to just fund it ourselves. Okay. All right. Well, there's, there's limitations there. But basically, um, I tr- in terms of what people were paid as far as like the VFX stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that you could be working with someone anywhere from $600, 800 to $1,000, $1,500 a day is not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. But um, I approached people uh, with a flat fee for the production. I approached them and said, hey, first, is this a project that you're interested in? We can offer you this flat fee. And there's a very important component that comes with working with artists when you're talking about a flat fee where there's kind of uh, flexible things is that you got to know that you got to offer them flexibility, mm-hmm, right? Or fast, cheap, good, pick your two, you know? <laughs> yep. So um, we got good and cheap, but not mm-hmm. fast. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's yeah. typical. That's expected. If you're not going yeah. to be paying premium, then like you got to work with their schedules and their right. timelines and, communicate yeah. that way ahead of time um yeah we're, we're finding that out too and talking to some post-production editors and it's like you know we've built out into our production timeline that that's editing will take its time and we're okay with that you know as long as we get what we're looking for so i love that you pointed that out because you can't you just can't have all three if you're not paying top dollar yeah. <laughs> like you know that's yeah. just not how it works but I like the flat fee approach. That is um, really smart, and that's kind of what we're aiming to do as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it can add up a lot more when it is like a daily rate. You know, mm-hmm. like. Yeah. It, and I also, when I was, the whole self funding thing was really important to Ronan and I, and it was more important to me, honestly, than Ronan. And it was more just like the way I was raised, for better for worse. You know. Um, but I was, but I did think about how, like, eventually I want to do a feature, right? And I wanted to prove myself, you know? So mm-hmm. I was like, if I can fund a short and if I can tell, prove to everybody, look, I'm, look at what I'm capable of doing. Like, right. I, I don't know if that's just the way I was raised or a Texan thing or what, but like, hey, you can't just be like, hey guys, like, give me money. Thank you. And <laughs> yeah. I would have gotten some from people, but like, I wouldn't have felt good about it, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I mean, it was, I didn't, I had no idea. This is my first thing I've ever produced. So oh, I, had, congrats to both so, of you. It yeah. looks phenomenal. And just 
to wrap up the editing, it looks so good. The VFX looks believable. Like mm -hmm. everything, the colors are, are so great. You're acting. So congrats, because it does look phenomenal for the budget you had, you were working with. It looks so good. And I think to kind of wrap this up, that was going to be, I think my my last question to y'all was, what what did you see for, for from this project, where did you see it going? Was it going to be a feature? Or for you, it sounds like it was your way to be like, this is what I can do to, to, my, yeah. to prove it to yourself. And then, you know, to make a bigger project and get more investors on and, and be like, you know, no, I can really do it. Like, see what I've made. Yeah, I mean, that was, Ronan and I's main goal was just to make something with each other, you know? And it was, and to make a great quality yeah. film. You know, we just wanted to make something and we didn't, we had no idea where it would have gone. And like, we got so lucky connecting with Ben because, you know, Ben and I spoke about like, this project would have never been made without me, but it also would have never been made without him. You know, like Aww. it was very collaborative. We got very lucky as a team working together. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to prove myself. I wanted an acting opportunity. Well, I now see I wanted I did want to act, and, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know. I, I still have a bit of a dream of one day, maybe it becomes a feature, but it's, it's not like the forefront of mm -hmm. our priorities right now, mm -hmm. you know, met, met the right investors or team that was like, I love this story. I'd love to expand it. Like we've already talked about like how we'd want that to world to look, mm -hmm. okay. but it's not like we're actively pursuing it. Totally. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the, the challenge was I, I was interested in telling a longer story. And, uh, you know, as you guys know, the, the film is like 24 and a half minutes and that is starting to get into programming death territory or as, as we kind of are famously told, like, Hey, a seven to 13 minutes is the sweet spot, but we were programmed into 18 festivals. We premiered at the Austin film festival. Yeah. And I think for, you know, for me, that was just about like, audiences are used to longer stories now, you know, they're, they're used to mid-length stories, um, things right. that, that that dam has been broken a little bit. And I think like, okay, it's like, if we can sustain a narratively driven, dialogue driven um, story that feels like a little black mirror kind of episode of like mm -hmm. 25 minutes of television, you know, that's mm -hmm. just the challenge I want to take on as we both think about moving forward into uh, making features and, and tackling longer narrative uh, threads and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I, I second that, DD. Like this was the most collaborative uh, project that I've ever worked on, um, truly at every turn, uh, you know, and it, it was, it's been, it's really been such a joy and a delight. It's opened so many little doors and such a great journey. Um, I'm always looking to learn. And that's why I wanted to get on this project. It's just another opportunity to tackle something different and learn. And I frankly, I, I, my best partnerships are with female filmmakers. I don't know what it is, um, but there is an openness and an ethos and a correctness about an approach that I just don't usually find myself having the same kind of vibe when I partner with other male filmmakers and such like that. Um, so I really enjoyed this collaboration. And, and, and then of course, you know, you're talking about the look of the film. Got a shout out to the editor, Rachel Pearl, who is, she's just a powerhouse uh, editor that's really brought something really special to the project, whether it be 
you know, the montage moments or just really the care that you gave to all of our performances, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, yeah, as a former, a former actor. So a fabulous process. We love yeah. to hear that. <laughs> and we love working with our male partners who just are so supportive of working with female filmmakers and mm-hmm. producers. So Ben, like, thank you for being such a great, um, I champion to that and, and just like giving us the space to talk and share and collaborate. Cause that's what most of us want to do. It's not about not working with men. We always talk about that on our show. Cause we champion women in this industry. Um, we have men on our team and we're not like we're female led. And that's what I'm so excited about. We found so many great women to work with, but yeah. Oh my gosh, I, we have the best male team members, champion mm-hmm. cheerleaders. They're the best. So um, it's it's working, I think, all together that I think I find is is amazing. And it's great to have people who respect you and, yeah. and give you the space to, <laughs> to do that, because that's that's what it's about at the end of the day um, is working as a team, collaborating and, and telling stories. So mm-hmm. um, I find that to be the best um, of both worlds and congrats on making it to so many film festivals. And yeah. I hope you guys continue to do so. Um, where can our listeners, um, can they see it yet or are, or what are the plans for, you know, them to follow you on social media? Where can our audience find all basically and the film? I'm excited to say that we uh, just signed a licensing deal with IFT network. That is a, a, a small startup streaming service. And, uh, that just premiered and became available on Valentine's day. Love it. Lone Star oh, love kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, we do have a streaming home for the project and uh, you can sign up for that service. IFT network, find them on, on social media. Um, you know, you can keep track of me at Benjamin Lawrence Myers on uh, Instagram. And I also have a project right now that's just starting to hit the festival circuit circuit. That is an, an episodic project. It's a, it's a pilot episode uh, nice. called zero method. It's a time travel action mystery okay. project. Uh, but Ooh. if anyone has any questions about any of that work uh, or just how to get your project from the page to the screen, definitely reach out to me at Benjamin Lawrence Myers on Instagram. I'd be happy to chat with you. Love that. Thank you for making yourself available in that way. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And you might love Dee Dee, who's being so oh. shy over here. <laughs> well, we know she doesn't use social, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I'm on Facebook, I guess, uh, Dee Dee Walkie, W-O-C-H-E, um, and I'm trying to think if there's, like, any way else to contact me besides my email, um, but yeah, I'm also looking for more projects to collaborate with. Um, I'm fully based in LA at the moment, but I also go back forth to Austin, and yeah, I don't know, I'm just looking to create more art here. Amazing. Um, yay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, Dee Dee, and we'll congratulations to you all. Congratulations you. on getting that feature off the ground. I look forward to to tracking your progress. Best of luck with it. I think that Thank sounds great. So like a fabulous theme. Thank we're you, excited. Ben. And likewise, yeah, I'm like literally like, okay, we're, I'm just stalking y'all. I'm stalking <laughs> y'all because social media, <laughs> as we talked. But no, thank you both for, for sharing your work with us today. Um, what a beautiful collaboration and a great end product. It looks and feels and sounds. It's just so great. I'm so excited for anyone who's listening to go ahead, view it. You won't be disappointed. You'll be inspired, um, especially if you're feel aligned in these topics as if you I'm sure you guys you are tuning in so you know that 
we all probably all feel the same on the themes and just the filmmaking experience. So thank you both so much for taking time today to hop on and we'll definitely be in touch. Yes. Yeah. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the FemFam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.